Good evening, everyone. Tonight, the Lord bless you. Welcome to church and tonight's Bible study and fellowship together in the spirit. I want to appreciate the Lord for you all and welcome you again this evening as we gladly rejoice in the word and, um, and fellowship again, learning of the things of the Father. I welcome you most sincerely this evening. Uh, trust your day has been great and um, everyone at home is doing well and fine. The Lord bless you um, as we come into the Bible study tonight. Um, this is the church at Oba and um, it's our evening of the study of the word. I'm always excited and look forward every, every day for uh, meetings, um, both in church and in the leadership and every opportunity we have to share God's word is always a delight in God to partake in the fruit of righteousness that the Lord has um, graciously blessed us with um, for the sake of his growth and maturity in the things of the spirit. I want to welcome us all tonight um, in Jesus name. Um, this evening we're going to be going to the word of God and then as we go uh, I hope you have your pen your biro and your part with you. You know, before we began this evening, I was asking my wife, we were just talking, and then she, she just mentioned to me that we began this series March, 30, March 3rd, the 3rd of March, was when we began the sort of book of Romans, and this is May, uh, May 10th. We, we, are, we are well over three months already uh, between Romans 1 and Romans 5. But it's fine, praise God. I believe we are, we are learning from these teachings day by day. But tonight we're going to continue again in this study, and I believe you'll be blessed in Jesus' name. So if you're ready, shall we go? Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you again this evening. We come before your word uh, to learn again, to continue our study where we left off with you. Thank you because you are eternal. You're not bound by time, but Lord, we are mortals. We are bound by time. Lord, we've come again today to to open with you, Lord, I pray for the spirit of grace to illuminate our hearts again, so we can come up to speed from where we left off, that we might be blessed of you. Lord, anoint our ears, anoint our eyes, that we may see and hear, our hearts that we may perceive, anoint my tongue, Lord, that I may speak like a pen of the ready writer, for I have to speak, now let me speak like the oracles of God, that Christ may be glorified in all things by the Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, tonight we're going to continue in our study. I'm so excited to take us again through the study of um, the book of Romans that we'll be looking at. Um, tonight we are in chapter 6 um, today and as our custom is, we'll, we'll take our time to read through the chapter and then we'll come to verse by verse analysis of the, of the, of, of, of the, uh, of the chapter as the Lord enables us. But let me start by, by, by sharing with us three quotes, three quotes, three quotes, it will help us. Now, when you read quotations from people, it is not an endorsement of the person, but sometimes the, the quotes are apt um, based on the thought being, being, being spoken about. So um, I, I saw this quote uh, in, in my study and I, and I just like them um, and they're apt to what we're studying is about um, Bible study and it's very important so I'm going to share with us before I go on tonight the first one um, the first quote that I'm going to um, share with you tonight I want you to stay in your heart is by E. Harris he said 
no one ever graduates from Bible study until he meets the author face to face. That's an interesting quote, isn't it? So if you are not yet studying, now let me let's really study. If you are not yet reading the Bible, because you can't study without first reading. In fact, in communication studies, um, there, there, there are stages of reading. There's what we call skimming and scanning. Um, to skim is just to go through with your eyes gradually, all right? Just go through the line, just skim through it. To scan is just to look for the main gist in, in the story. You are scanning it. So that's why sometimes people read Bible and actually what they're reading is scanning. They're just looking for, okay, just going to look for the main points and just look at it. Because every thought is developed or every paragraph is a development of a word, of a thought. So once you find the thought, it's like summary. Once you see a summary, you jump, all right? So sometimes it's like that. But for us to really get to the point of studying the Bible, we must first read. But Harris is saying here that no one ever graduates from Bible study until he meets the author face to face. Interesting. I love that. I love that. It's good. It's noted down. So you see that we can't, so that, that, that's the reason we can't stop studying the Bible. And in fact, this is in turn with the word of God. First Timothy 4, 13. Until I come, give attendance to what? To reading, to exhortation. And to doctrine. It means we we cannot stop reading the Bible. 2.22.15. It says study to show yourselves approved unto God. So there's, there's, a, there's a responsibility on you and I to study the Bible. We must we must love the Bible. You know, this evening we we're praying and, and Pastor Richard was quoting a scripture in Job. He says, For I have esteemed Job 23, um, um, verse 12. I've I've, I've esteemed thy word more than my necessary food. No believer grows without a, a strong desire, strong one for the word. So I want to encourage you tonight to be strongly desiring the word of God. Strongly desired. Don't, don't, don't be forced. You know, it's only children that are force fed. But when you begin to grow, you eat by yourself. The food of the Christian church is the Bible. So as a, as a believer, one of the things that strengthens you in this life is your, is, your, is, your, is your penchant for the word of God. Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew 5, he says, for blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger. If God says it's a blessing to hunger and thirst for the word, wow, then let's go for it. And see, once you're hungry, what do you do? You go to eat. And what do you eat? We eat the word of God. Hallelujah. It's a God's word is sweeter than what? Than honey. It's food. Amen. So it says here, no one ever, that is from Bible study until he meets the author face to face. Second quote now, I want to give us, is by a quote by John Owen. John Owen said, God's word, God's word is a pool in which children may paddle. All right? To paddle means to, to play in. And hippos, that is, now I add that, mature Christian can bathe. You see, 
mature people based in the world, children also part of the world. So everyone that comes into the world finds meaning. That's why you cannot say that, ah, Bible is complex. No, in its complexity, it is simple enough for a child to what? Understand. As newborn babes, chapter 2, verse, 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 verse 2, laying aside, verse 1 says, laying aside all word, superfluity of naughtiness and, and, and hypocrisy, and desire the sincere milk of what the word that ye may grow thereby. As newborn babes, as newborn babes, desire that sincere milk. First John chapter number, number, number 2 from verse 14, it says, I write to you children. You see that? That means children find place in the world. I write to you, young men. Young men find place in the world. I write to you also, what fathers, even old men in Christ also find. So there's, there's a place for everyone in the world. And that's why you must, you must come in. Don't ever look at the Bible as something for the mature. No, no. It's for everyone. And everyone finds strength. In fact, those who are mature began from the world to get to where they are today. So I want to encourage us all tonight to pay attention. Not just in Bible study times alone, but in our individual study of the world. Third quote tonight by John Calvin. He said, The Lord does not shine upon us. The Lord does not shine upon us except we take his word as our light. You see that? The Lord does not shine upon us unless or except we take his word as our light. So when the Lord wants to shine upon us, what, what does he do? He gives us his word. Psalm 119 verse 115. The Bible says that the word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. So if God is to lighten our path and our ways, he will give us what? His word. That's why a believer can never afford to go without the word. You can't grow. You, you, we can't mature without the word of God. That's why we must desire the word of God daily. Just as we eat daily, that's how we must also study the word of God daily as believers God does not shine so you can't say Lord shine in your light shine your light no he doesn't shine your light except you you are taking his word as lamp so his word is important in all these three quotes all I'm saying is that God's word is word important for our survival important for our families important for our lives important for our faith important to stand strong in this time Important for victory. Important for grace. We can do nothing except by the word of God. In fact, by the word of God, the whole earth was made. Hebrews 1.3. Colossians 1, 15-20. By God's word, all things are made. John 1, 1-5. By God's word, all things are made. So God's word is important. So I want to enjoin you and appeal to you tonight. Both children, both youth, both, both mature one in the spirit. To paddle and to bathe in the word of God. And how do you do that? By taking at least one verse of the Bible. One verse. One verse per day. Read that verse. Read again. And meditate. Think through it. What does it mean? 
when you ask, what does it mean? It leads you to want to start read further to clarify the meaning. And in reading further, before you know it, you've read the entire chapter of that to find the meaning of just one verse. And by so doing, you increase your strength in the spirit. For if you fail in the days of trouble, your, it is your strength that is small. And God has all strength in his word for us to move towards life. Amen tonight. Romans is a, a highly doctrinal book. It's a book of doctrine. And by that I mean teaching upon which the Christian ethics is practiced and founded. And as I've been reading through the book of Romans, we've read that God is love. God is the author of salvation. is the one that saved us. We've read the doctrine that, that he calls men to ministry um, 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 to, to minister himself and to minister his free gift. Paul said, uh, Paul, a servant of the Lord. You see, Romans 1 verse 1. So it means God calls people into ministry and the purpose of call in the ministry is to minister the free gift of what? Of salvation. We see that the free gift is not for some. It's for how many people? It's for all. You see, we've learned this over time as doctrine. We found this from chapter 1 to chapter 5 that, 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 that we've read. Now we also find out that the free gift is what is appropriated by what? By faith. It's faith. The reason God gave us faith. You see, Romans 12 verse 3, it says, it says, it says, it says, it says, it says uh, um, let no man think of himself more highly than other thing, but let all men think what soberly as God has dealt with everyone the measure of faith what faith did god give to us the faith to be able to receive his salvation and believe him for every other thing that we need in life ephesians 2 8 he says for by grace are ye saved through faith and this faith is not of us is what the gifts of god so we learn that salvation is only by faith and it is the gift of God. No man can get salvation by works that he or she does. So you see that. So this free gift is operated by what? By faith. We also, we also learned as, as a doctrine that a free gift is salvation. So we know what a gift is. It is justification and, uh, and, and being made righteous. Being acquitted from sin. That is the free gift. And is a gift of God. And no man can walk his way or a way to it by himself or herself. It comes only from God. It is only through this gift that man can ever relate with God. It's only through this gift of righteousness that man can ever relate with God. Romans 5 verse 1. It says, therefore now, being what? We have peace with God through our Lord the only way to have peace with God is by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm building up so you can come with me tonight. And all have seen, we found that. And so all, so, so, so no one can say, I don't need salvation. I don't, no, no. All have seen and come short of the glory of God. No one merits it. So Romans 3, 23. He said, for, for all have seen and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. He said, for the wages of sin, therefore now, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Now, this is what we must know and hold on as the truth of God's word. So all have seen, but we also have a free gift of God. Um, by Christ Jesus. And see, the only acceptable way to God is Christ. And no one has the monopoly of Christ. Both the Jews and the Gentiles. Christ 
doesn't favor anyone. Anyone that comes to him. He said, I will not cast away anyone that comes to me. So Muslims can come. Buddhists can come. Black can come. White can come. Children who of age can come. The aged can come. No one is excluded. And so Christ is, is the exclusive way of, of, uh, to God on earth. Acts 4.12. He said, he for there is no other name given under heaven by which man can be saved. No other name. He says in John, John 14, 6, for I am the way, the truth, and the life. Say, no one comes to the Father except by me. First Timothy 2, verse 5, it says, for there is only one way, one mediator between man and God and the man Christ. So it's established in God. There's only one way, one mediator. One way to another person's Christ. And so we know this in teaching. And so I want us to build on this so we know it. So we know. So we are, we, we, we are trained and we are taught um, of these principles in Christ. Now this evening, let's come to um, um, our study of the Bible from where we stopped. Interesting again tonight. And I want to put all this we have said tonight in heart to build your faith and understand the things of God. Now we are in chapter 6, verse 1. And like we always do, we're going to read through it. And I'm going to start to to see how the Lord can help us to break it down. Um, and, that, and remember I said to us, in verse-by-verse verse Bible study, you, you come in contact with all the systematic theology of God. There is nothing that will be missed. Everything will be touched um, because every part of the Bible is actually complete. Amen tonight. And so we'll start by reading first um, from verses 1. Through verse 23, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 23. So read with me tonight as I go. Just go with me with your hearts. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not? That so many of us as were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, hallelujah, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Verse 9, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, died no more. Death had no power or dominion over him. For in, in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God, unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the loss thereof. 13. 
neither heal ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin, because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to, ye servants here, whether of sin unto death, or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of sound or form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I love that. 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin, amen, and become servants to God, ye have your fruits unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God this night. Hallelujah. Now, now if you follow this reading, is quite an interesting reading and um, I want us to look at it again this evening and then peel it layer by layer and see what the Lord is saying to us um, but for us to start from verse 1 um, it will make sense because you find verse 1 says what shall we say then so what are we saying so to understand verse 1 then you must back up a little to verse 20 and 21 because from beginning these verses were not broken down into chapters and verses. So remove 6 and let's link 21 to make sense of what Paul is saying when he says, What shall we say then? Now remember, he's speaking to a people who had the law of Moses and people who had not the law of Moses. That's the context, that's the background of this writing. Those applicable to all churches. But the, the, the context is to people who had... Or who thought they had the right to God alone? Who thought they, they, that they, the, the path to God alone is given to them alone by, by observing the Jewish culture? Yeah, there's, there's a place to glory in, in the law because it came to them as oracle. But Paul is saying when Christ died, something changed. And it was not explained to them so that the truth of the gospel might be made known to the whole world. Verse 21 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. What does that mean? The reason God gave the law is that sin may become more sinful. So sin becomes more obvious. Nobody feels he has the capacity to please God. That's why it says, for all have sinned. So you see that these verses actually are, are, are together. So you can't take one verse, one chapter um, off the other. No, they are both 
interpreted together. So as we're seeing verse 5 through verse 6, through I mean, sorry, verse 5, 6, 7, they're all going, they, they are one, one, one stream flow um, um, in the same thought. So it says, the law entered that sin may abound. But where sin abound, abounded, grace did much more what? Abound. Now you see, it's building up here. Because it's saying, yeah, the law came to show sin. But now grace has come. And where sin abounded, or where the law prevailed, grace prevailed much more. But you see, 21 says, that as sin had reigned unto death, even so my grace reigned through righteousness unto what? Eternal life by Christ Jesus. So if sin or the law abounded to, to bring death, and grace came much more to bring life, you see that now? So the law came to produce sin or to make sin abound. But Christ came with grace. The law came through Moses. But, but, but grace and truth came through Christ Jesus. You see that? So if this is the picture, now let not the Gentile or those who have, who have come to, to grace now think that if I continue in sin and grace is abounding, then I have no problem. That sin now makes no difference because the more I sin, the more grace abounds. Alright? So if you're not careful, this what this scripture will, will paint. But Paul says, no. On the contrary, that's not what I'm saying. Because today now, there are many people that say, um, 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 Christ, I forget our sins, both past, present, and future. That is very correct. But the knowledge of the sacrifice of Christ will not make you to triumph and rejoice in sinning now and also even saying, I will sin in the future. No, those who truly have received this grace will actually abstain. Why? Because they, they are actually dead to sin. That's why the correct preaching of grace does not give room for sin. You see, some people are afraid to preach grace. You know, we're not going to teach you well. Because the more you preach grace, the more people indulge in sin. That's why you find some people say, I will show you a higher level of what? Of grace. That there's, there, there's no sin grace doesn't cover. No, that is, that is a wrong interpretation of grace abounding where sin does abound. You see, when, when we look at this in context, we, will say, we will know what Paul is saying here. He's saying, yeah, the Lord came to expose sin. But grace abounded much more where sin abound. And so by that grace of Jesus on the cross, our past sin were forgiven. Our past sin have been taken care of. Even the future one too also in Christ. How do we know that? First John, First John 1 and First John 2 says, if we say we have no sin, we, it says if we sin, if we, if we commit a sin, it's favor and what? what to forgive us. So we know that if we sin in the future, you forgive us. If we sin now, you forgive us. Because our sin, the past us are well, we're forgiven. But you see, the understanding of that nature of grace that dwells in us by the power of the Spirit compels us to live in righteousness. It puts godly fear in us. It, it restrains us. You see, it holds us back from sin. Titus 2.11 For the grace of God that bringeth salvation. You see the word? Had appeared to all men. Bringing what? Salvation. But that same grace. In the same vein that it brings salvation. Is also restraining us from what? From sin. It says teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly in this world. I love that. 
So the proper teaching of grace does not permit sin, does not give room for sin. Rather, it constrains us, it teaches us to abstain from sin. So grace can be taught in all dimensions as the power of God to save and the power of God to restrain from sin. So when he says in verse 1 of chapter 6, what shall we say then? Because a question was asked. You see, there's a question mark there in King James. That means, okay, now are you saying that because of this grace, sin, I mean, um, 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 because of this grace, I mean, because of this sin, grace is abounding much more, shall we continue in sin? Because given all men's passion, everyone wants to continue in sin. Because sin is pleasurable. Paul says, no, 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 no. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So this is a, this is a question that the people he was writing to, or he was he was he was he was he was anticipating their question in their heart. Because if you read Romans, Paul also always writes anticipating their questions. In fact, sometimes it might be some already they are already arguing about. And notice also Christ Jesus in his teaching also he will always read people's hearts and answer the questions in their mind. So when we say grace abounded much more worse than abound. Now the issue is that can we continue to sin and ask forgiveness? Will we be forgiven? Yes, we will be forgiven. But a deeper understanding of grace makes us understand that the grace of God actually restricts us, constrains us from sin. So it says, shall we, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse 2 answers it. God forbid. And anathema. Now, so what it says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So, now, it is that we are dead. Someone say dead. Someone say dead. We are dead to sin. Now, the question is, we're going to ask, if I were you now, what's the question? How am I dead to sin? How am I dead to sin? He explained how we are dead. Because a dead man cannot respond to sin. Because sin is a response to the flesh. And the more we yield to God in grace, in his word, in prayer, we, 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 we get dead to sin every day. Paul says, I die daily. The more we grow up and pray and trust God and understand the word of God, the more we die to sin. That's the reason, you see, you, see, you can progressively leave sin. Your friends love partying. Before you go born again, you love, gradually you begin to die to it. The grace of God that lives in you, that redeems you, makes that appetite to, to, to wane gradually. Sometimes it's not at once, but gradually it wanes until one day you wake up. Before that actually is gone. Before it goes physically, it's, it's gone already in the spirit. So, verse 2 says, it says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer? Now the question is, how are we dead to sin? Am I sure I'm dead? How, how, how really was I dead? Verse 3, know ye not. That as so many of us as were baptized into Christ. So when we come, the baptism now that we do is baptism into Christ. But it's done by immersion. That's why you don't play with water baptism. Now, let me say this tonight. I'm, I'm going to say this on Monday. The baptism that we've done is valid. It's not invalid. For those of us who are preparing, all right, it's valid. Um, 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 the, the, the one we did last is valid. Now, now, the issue is, 
You know, you know, you know, in teaching of scripture, when you, when you, you know, I said earlier on that there are occasions where you can be permitted to even sprinkle water on someone. In fact, the thief on the cross, was he baptized? No. But he was saying, why is his own left out? Because he had no opportunity. It's not as though that law was broken on him. No, because he had no opportunity. But if we have opportunity, then we do it the way it should be done. But the one we did actually in the pool is not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not invalid. It's very valid. Praise God. So nobody goes and say, hey, I'm not, you, know, you are baptized. Hallelujah. But for those who have not done it before, I say to you tonight, you have been baptized in water. And that's why we must preach baptism. So the baptism that we do right now is baptism into Christ, not the baptism of John. Tell me tonight in your hands, your Bibles, to, to Acts, Acts chapter, tell me to Acts Apostles, chapter 19. Let's read verse Acts 19. Let's read from verse from okay from verse 4. This baptism that we do now is different from the baptism of John. John baptized people to prepare them for Christ. But now when we get baptized in Christ, or rather we haven't been born again, we have been baptized into Christ. Is for identification with Christ. It is not for, for repentance. By faith we repent. But by obedience we are baptized into Christ. Acts chapter 19 verse 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with baptism of what? Of repentance saying. See the word saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come. So the baptism is for them to prepare them for Christ that was what? To come. But now how? Christ has come to us. So when we are baptized into Christ, we are not baptized for Christ to come, but we are being baptized in identifying with his death. Wow. His burial and his resurrection. So when Christ was buried, he died. When he rose again, he rose victoriously. That's why it says, for sin right now shall not have dominion over us. So the church should not be subject to sin. But guess what? We'll make this progress from chapter 6 to chapter 7 and some things will be rightly done. So I want you to follow me carefully in this study. Let's go on. Verse 4. Saying unto the people that they should believe on him that should come, that is, on Christ Jesus. Verse um, verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized, see that, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For this baptism is not the baptism of repentance from sin, but now is a baptism of identification with Christ. And that's what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 5. Now turn that with me again tonight to Romans chapter 5, where we are studying. So you can see that this is what Paul is saying here. So he said in verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized, that means as believers, we have the obligation to go through what? Water baptism. Not for the sake of repentance, for the purpose of identifying with Christ and showing our, our rising up with him as he also did. 
Know you not that some of us baptized into Christ were what? Baptized into his word, his death. So when we, when we get baptized, symbolically, we are being baptized into what? His death. Now, this is in, in, in further explanation of hamatiology, of hamatia. The, the, how it is destroyed. It is destroyed in baptism. But guess what? Christ wasn't baptized until his blood was shed. So it is a transformation of the blood that takes away sin in baptism. His death. In fact, it ends with a question. As though we're baptized into his death. Verse 4. Therefore. Amen. Amen tonight. So when it says therefore, it means there's something here for us. There's, there's, from, from what I have said, probably from chapter 5, from verse 17 to this point, therefore, we are what? Buried with him by. Now, that word by means the process. Okay, let me say it again. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism. So, by being baptized, we are what? Being buried with him. So, the significance of that physical baptism, that physical dipping and immersion, that's why it must be by immersion. But in situations where there is no water at all, it can be done in a pool. In fact, it can be done in a bucket. It can be done even by sprinkling. Depending on the occasion, imagine you are in the desert where there's no water. In fact, the last water is a cup of water. It will suffice. In fact, in cases where there's no water at all, it still suffices by faith in the spirit. But where there's there's availability, there will be. But you see, in this teaching, we teach people not to lean on the extreme areas of 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 uh, of of not availability. But let's stay in the point of the word. You see, when people teach that, oh, you can baptize in any places, even with, with water, with bucket, with sprinkling, people will start doing sprinkling. I said, it also suffices. It suffices in its own context and situation. But when, that's why in after age, remember, when Philip and, and the Enoch were going, he says, no, this is water. What stops me? In that situation, there's availability. And because it's available, nothing should stop him from being baptized. But if it was the place where there's no water at all, what would happen to him? Two things. He would have waited until he had opportunity. And if there's no time, until death, anything at that time will actually suffice and be useful. But it says here that therefore we are buried with him by... So every time people are baptized, so the day you got baptized... You were baptized into what? His death. Now, listen now. Now, by the nature of the spirit of God, something happens in your spirit. Something something changes in your flesh. Uh, uh, a code is altered. You see, the, the, the code that makes you long for sin and in bondage to sin and servant to sin was changed. Amen. The desires that put us in subjection to wanting to sin naturally, consistently, continually. For, for he, John says, for he that makes a practice of sin 
has no, has no life of God in him. That means what makes men to habitually, consistently, continually, day in, day out, make a practice of sin is the prevalence of the sin nature. What kills it and takes it away is the blood of Jesus being, 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 uh, being, being enforced in that sense by baptism. That's why baptism is important. So you see now that that is an aberration for someone to be baptized as a sign before he's saved. No, it happens after you've been saved. So baptism is not salvation. It's a means of grace wherein we appropriate the power of God to resist sin and stand true in God. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Now that, like Christ, like, that means in the same proportion, the same way Christ rose up. That is the significance that we also experience. That's why baptism is important and for us to understand its significance. So the moment you come out of that water, something happens to you in the spirit. A new life. A new understanding, a new strength is infused into you that makes you free. Now you can say no to sin. Now you can say no, I won't do it. Now you can say no. The power to resist is being given to you because you've been buried and then you've also been what? Been resurrected from dead. Now Paul said here that like Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. That means the glory of the Father is who? The Holy Spirit. Paul says, I mean, Paul says, just one. That Christ was raised by the power of who? The Holy Spirit. He says here, by the glory. So, both the Spirit of God is also called the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk what? In the newness of life. That's the reason everyone who is genuinely saved will not make a practice of sin. I don't, this is the truth of God. If you are making a practice, that what practice means, you are daily in it, habitual. You are always fighting, you are always, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are the one that is always the troublemaker, you are always in sin, always, regularly, and you are in church. But of folks, maybe, Maybe the seed of Christ is maybe you're not born again yet. Examine yourself whether you are in the faith. Let no man deceive you that walking in church and serving in church is a sign that you're born again. No, you may not be. You see, because 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 many are with him, strong in him, but their hearts are far from him. You say, in vain, this will worship me. For with their lips they worship, but their word, their hearts. Their lives, and it's from the heart. Romans ten, it says, "For for for with the heart, man believe unto what unto righteousness." So if their hearts are far from Him, it means they are, they have not believed unto righteousness with what with that same heart. So that same heart cannot contain the salvation of God, or that same heart cannot propel the mouth to speak forth what salvation. Even so, we should walk in the newness of life. So the life must be new. People 
must testify about your life. It is time you begin to live a life worthy of people saying there is something different about this man. Maybe tonight, um, for our time's sake, I want to rush this teaching. You see, Jesus did not name us Christians. The apostles did not know anything about Christians. That nomenclature, that designation was done from Christ, was not from the apostles. It wasn't from even the church fathers. Now, the question is, how did it come? How did we begin to be called Christians? So the word Christian is not, is not, is not, no, you don't say it's scriptural, because it is, it is true. But it's not from Christ. Neither is from the apostles. What we are from Christ, we are people of the kingdom. Amen. In the eyes of Christ, but but but, but I know this that Christ in his in his in his in his sovereignty knows that we'll be called Christians ultimately. But you see, what he called us was was the people of the kingdom, the people of the way, the people of what of righteousness. That's what the 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 the, 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 the people of God were known as. Not as Christians. What made us to be called Christians? Acts eleven twenty six. Tell me everybody tonight. It was the old believers, and this is a sign. You see, I, 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 I'm saying this so you begin to examine: Am I a believer? I don't want anyone in the church or anyone hearing me tonight not be able to say, "I know that I know I know that I'm a child of God." Two ways to know. Two ways to prove. One, there will be a witness in your heart by the Holy Spirit. That word, you are a child of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what God said. For the Spirit Himself, bear what witness with our spirits that we are God's children. But the way that witness born is authenticated is by what men say about you now. Amen. Please follow me tonight. The Spirit of God does what? Bears witness with our spirits that we are His children. But the way to authenticate that witness is by is a man bearing same witness about Christ Jesus. He says he found favor with who? God and men. So if God confirms in your heart, men will, if God confirms it, it will show in the sight of men. God confirmed Moses on the mount with his glory. Men saw it and told him, even though he didn't even know. There must be a walking into new life. You cannot, you see, you can be in church. And have no life. But you can't have the life. And not be in church. So being in church is not the criteria. For defining the life. But being in church. Is one of the ways we know. That the life is in you. Hebrews 10 to 25. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves. As a man of some is. So much the more. I will see the day of God. Approaching. So those who know the day is approaching, they come together always. But 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 it says what he says here. He says we are walking what a new kind of life. Now I, I will go on tonight, but but tonight I won't, I won't rush it. 
Galatians 5 17. Say, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. What, 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 what am I saying this evening? There must be a corresponding righteous living in your life. You can't be the fighter of the environment. You can't be the, the drunkard in the street. You can't be the cheat in the office. You can't be the pervert in the environment. You can't be the, the, the you can't, you see, it's not, it, it, it doesn't add up with the life. Bible says, it says, walk therefore worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. That means the vocation of Christ has a work commensurate with it. And that work is what? Righteousness. It must be seen. Let your light so shine before men. Tonight, I'm challenging you in God to begin to live worthy of your call. Of my call. Let that light of yours shine. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, don't, don't kill the fire. Don't kill that not of the spirit. Don't suppress his, his leading, his instruction in truth and righteousness. Allow him walk in you. Verse 4 says, Therefore, we are buried with him in baptism, that like Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, even so, of equal dimension, we also should walk in the newness of life. Let me read verse 5 to 9 as I close. Paul says to the body, Jews and the Gentiles, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his word, resurrection. This showing us that once this has occurred in our lives, then we are sure also that the same way we are planted in his death, we shall also rise up with him when he comes back. Know what I says? For when that trumpet sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive shall be caught up. For there is a catching up that is to come. But praise God tonight that the power of God that breaks sin right now dwells in the heart of every believer. And this is what Paul is saying. That yes, sin about grace abounding much more but that abounding grace does not leave room does not permit is not the basis of an excuse for us pastors in Galatians 5 is that we have been called into liberty but we must not use our liberty for what an occasion for the flesh so when you find people using that scripture to sin they don't understand the entire gamut of scripture for scripture is used to interpret scripture so scripture is not a basis for one to start living as, as he wants to live. All things are permitted. Some will say, ah, I am permitted. Then I can palm my head. I can wear crazy jeans. I can, I, can, I can do as I like. No, you cannot do as you like. You are not called to do as you like. There's, there's an obedience of the faith. To live like Christ. Guess what? It says we are called Romans chapter, chapter, chapter number 8, verse 20, 29. It says, Those whom he predestined, uh, those who we predestined, to be conformed to what they eat. We are meant to be conforming to the image of his son, the character, the likeness, the disposition. And that character affects how we appear physically. 
Some say that is the realm of the spirit or, or in the mind. No, it's not in the mind alone. It must come. He says, I pray that the Lord God, first Galatians 5, verse 23. He said, he said, he said and I pray that God, um, 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 the, the, the God of peace, sanctify you and your whole spirit, soul, and body. That means your body also should be sanctified and kept aside for God. That's why you can't match your body. You can't touch your body. You can't you can't pierce your body as you wish. Because that temple, that body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, and nothing must compare with it. You must be total in God. So there's no excuse you can give for fleshly um, 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 desires to rule over you. He says, Know ye not that to whomsoever ye yield your bodies and yourself to, the servant person you are, either of sin unto death. That means if you're not unto life, it means you're unto what? Death. So examine yourself whether you're in the faith. My time is up this evening. I wish we had more time. Let's summarize in this thought. What's God saying to us? What's you as a church? One, the law was given to make sin sin. Paul says in Galatians 3, he says, The law was given to us as our schoolmaster to bring us to who? To Christ. That all men may know that no one is justified by himself or by the law. Sin became so sinful so that man can know that of himself and of his own, he can't save himself. Therefore, there's a need for a word, a savior. And as sin reigns unto death, for everywhere sin reigns, there's death. Even so, my grace reigns unto the life. Therefore now, because of this, shall we now continue to sin? Because there's grace? In Acts 5, wasn't there grace when Anas and, 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 and Sapphira sold the property and lied to God? There was grace. But God showed them as a sign of Mark that he is to be feared and hallowed. No believer should make a practice. So don't continue to cheat people in your business. Don't keep people's money. Don't, 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 don't cheat. Be truthful. Be straightforward. Because it's the blessings of the Lord that make it a man rich. Ever since you've been cheating people in business, have you prospered in it? You find that the more you cheat them, the more you don't know how the money is spent. So why not live right as a Christian? The church is a mirror of God on the earth for righteousness. Paul said in Ephesians, he said that in the ages to come, he might show the angels and the powers, those that be, the manifold wisdom of God by the church. You are special in the hands of God. You are a battle ask in the hands of God. You are more than what you think you are. You are more than who you think you are. And so if God is working in you like this, forget the devil. For who is he that will harm us if he follows of that which is good? Chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. So let's pursue righteousness. And how are we righteous? How are we saved? How, how, how are we dead to sin? Paul says, as we're baptized, that token of baptism, the physical um, um, sacrament 
of baptism into his death makes us free, brings us to, to a place where, where that, that which holds men down in death was broken. Because we are baptized into his death, we are identified with him in death, and as he, raised, as, as he rose from the dead, we also rise up into a new kind of life. So a true believer actually works in a new life. You can't be a believer and walk in your, in your old life. You can't be a Christian and still behave the way you are behaving. Something must change. And if nothing has changed, then announce to you, sir, you may not be born again. Ask the Lord again to walk in you. I know he's gracious. He'll walk in you. But for us today who have been saved, don't let's suppress. Don't let's be, be, don't harden your heart to the nudging and the prompting of God. When God says, no, don't fight, don't fight. Oh, don't do it, don't do it. Let that life come. He's in there helping you to live right. Because the spirit of light and grace dwells in us now. And by the presence of the Holy Ghost in us, we're able and strengthened to do that which pleases the Lord. And that's what the Lord wants us to know. And that's what Apostle Paul is teaching here. By the grace of God, next class, we're going to continue from where we stopped, building up more and more. I believe you've been blessed this evening and you, uh, you, you've come to know of more understanding of the word. Uh, if you have any question to ask, please feel free to ask me. You can inbox me, send me a message on SMS or WhatsApp. I will, I will respond to your question um, as they come. But let's rejoice in God that as Christ was buried into death, we also were buried into him. And by baptism, we are made alive. And by baptism and through baptism, we walk in a new life. Therefore, now it's possible for us to walk. So don't suppress it. Don't think it's not possible. But know now that it's possible. And from tonight, make a change. Wives, don't fight your husbands. Husbands, love your wife. Children, obey your parents. Workers, obey your bosses. Be, 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 be obedient, not, 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 not with eye service. But like as unto the Lord and, 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 and masters treat them also with dignity. Also knowing that God also will also bring you to account as the grace that you've done. Tonight I believe that you've learned one thing or the other tonight from this word. I will continue again on Thursday by the grace of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight again for this study of your word. And what you've taught us, Lord, your word says that we will be baptized into Christ Jesus or baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that the Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we should walk. Lord, by the nature of our baptism, we are empowered to walk in a new life. I pray tonight, Lord, that everybody who is struggling to walk in this new life, today, by the knowledge of this word heard, receives strength to walk therein. The, 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 the hold to sin is broken. As it was broken in the day of baptism, in the day of redemption, today we reenact it and we declare we are free from the clutches of the carnal nature and flesh and sin. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. We will love righteousness. We will hate wickedness. We will shine as light. We will leave our salt for the praise and glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you folks tonight. God bless you. Trust me, blessed. Have a blessed night, friends. We'll see you again on Thursday by the grace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night, folks. God bless you all. Amen.